So like all humans, I'm sure you've had the thought, I think everybody thinks this way, you thought, is there a God out there? There must be a God out there. Is there someone out there that made everything and holds all things together? I think it's universal to ask that question. I also think it's universal that at some point, most of us, if not all of us, actually attempt to talk to God. We, we talk to God and it usually goes something like this, like, hello, if you're out there, if you, if you can hear me, if you love me, if you're really strong, can you fix this? Can you say something? Can you do something to show me that you're real? I mean, this is universal. I think we all say this to God. At some point, we get into a situation where we look at him and try to talk to him and make sense of what we see and what we're going through. And I've never heard him respond back in an audible voice. And I've asked him for skywriting. Like, God, should I make this change? God, should I do this? Should I do that? I've never, I've never seen him write anything in the sky for me. I don't think most of us do. But we all want to hear a word from God, don't we? We all want to hear God speak something. I mean, just imagine if he did speak back. Imagine if you were like, God, should I dump this loser? And he texts you back. And he was like, ping. Yeah, he's a dirtbag. And get rid of him. Can you imagine if up on your contacts, God came up? That would be really cool. Or you were like, God, should I... What should I do with this health crisis? And literally he rode in the sky and answered? How incredible would that be? We all want to hear a word from God. We want to hear him tell us, guide us, just say something. And universal. Actually, Plato, 400 years before Jesus Christ came to earth, Greek philosopher, he, he said this. He said, it may be that someday there will come forth from God a word who will reveal all mysteries and make everything plain. I mean, this Greek philosopher is wrestling with the same stuff that we do from hundreds, thousands of years ago. He's saying, is there ever going to be a point in time when a word is going to come from God to reveal the mysteries that we deal with? We all want a word from God. And if he would speak, if he would come forth and tell us what to do, I think it's probably logical to realize it's not going to happen the way we think it would happen. It's not going to come the way we would design it to come. If he's God and he really can hear us and he really wants to communicate, he's going to do so not in text message or skywriting. So we're starting this new series, working through the book of John in your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, open it up to that, John chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at the first five verses. If you have an electronic copy, you can open up our app and use the app. Just following along, paper, electronic is helpful to you. And John starting this book is going to say that every human longs for a word from God, and God has brought a word. We want it, and God will bring it, has brought it. And so these first five verses, we're going to work our way through. And, and John, 
John believes that this word that comes from God is the more that we're all looking for. He's the satisfaction that we all dream of, this person he's going to describe. But I'll warn you out of the gate. You ready? The next five verses are probably the most complex verses in all of Scripture. It's confusing and deep and might be difficult. And you might listen in a few minutes and go, why are we even talking about this? But one theologian described it this way. I love this. Imagine a pool for a moment. It's hot outside. Think of a pool. You got it? In your mind, pool. He says this section of Scripture is like a pool that a child can wade into. A child can wade into, but also an elephant could swim. I mean, imagine a pool being so great that a child could wade in it and have fun, and an elephant could jump in and swim. He says that this section of Scripture is like that for us, which means whether you're just exploring, you're just wondering if there is a God, if you're tiptoeing along the edges of God, if you're just trying to figure it out, there's room in this pool for you to play and have fun. But if you're an intellect or you've been walking with Jesus for decades, wherever you are on your journey, he says this passage of Scripture has a place for you to play a place for you to swim, a place for you to grow. So lean in with me, and John, the first five verses, remember, he's sort of answering this question. Every human wants a word from God. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John knows that we want to hear a word from God. Some one to guide us, to say something, to do something. And he tells us that a word has come from God. In fact, this word that comes from God has been around since the beginning. He says, in the beginning was the word. What does he mean by that? He's counting on the fact that the people that are listening to him, a lot of the people that are listening to him say this, have some sense of the Bible, and they know that the first words of the Bible start out with something similar. So if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, first line, first page of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did God create the heavens and the earth? And you read these first verses of the Bible, it says, God spoke a word and things were created. God spoke, and there was light. God spoke, and there was water. God spoke, and there were plants. God spoke, and there were animals. God spoke, and there were humans. God brought forth a word in the beginning. John's counting on the fact that some people might have connection to that first line of the Bible so that when he writes, in the beginning was the word, he's hoping the readers connect the dots with what's going on in this biblical truth. 
God spoke a word and the world was created. Now he's telling us something about this word. He's saying this word existed before the beginning of time and earth and humanity. That in the beginning God created the, and now he's saying, wait, before that, there was something going on. In the beginning was this word before the world even began. There was a word that existed. Who is this word you're talking about, John? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Okay, I got that. The word was with God. So when God created the world, the beginning of time, there was somebody hanging out with God. He had a bestie. Maybe it was his administrative assistant. I, he had somebody side by side with him making all of this stuff we call earth. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, he says, and the word was God. Okay, yikes, I got, I got a problem here, right? This word is around before the earth began. The word wasn't just hanging out with God, his assistant. He says the word was God. Wait, the word is God and the word was with God? How, how does that happen? Are there two of you? Are there more than one? This second person that's with God from the beginning which means, he's trying to communicate something, which means that this God, this Word and this God were before all things, and this Word was eternal with God and was never created. Is your head starting to hurt yet? Are you going, come on, do we have to be in the deep end of the pool? Just stick with this. Keep going. Just listen. We've got to find out more about this Word. Look at verse 3. He says, through him... All things were made. Through this word, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So he wants us to know that this word made all things. Okay, track with this. He's saying that this word was here before the time, and the word was God and with God, and the word is the one who made all things. Again, he's counting on the fact that we know in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke, and it came to be. Now John is telling us that this God, who is two persons, existed for all time. The second person of God is the one who actually made all things. <laughs> like, I, stop. Like, this is hard, right? What is he saying? What does he mean? Why are we talking about this? There's football to watch. Serious, important, stick with this. I want to try to try to explain to you why he uses word. Like I want to shake John a little bit and go, can you just talk normal? This isn't how I communicate. Can you just say it? Like give him a name. Why do you use this word to describe this second person? Let me try to explain it to you. The word Greek, in Greek this word means the expression of something the expression of something. It means that all the power and all the emotion and all the intent and all the thought that's in the mind comes out in a word. That makes it better, right? You're like, uh. Okay, let me explain it this way. I like to garbage pick. I like to pick 
things out of the garbage. Any of you with me? I, I kind of dress up garbage picking. I call it junk teaking because I don't want you to know that I garbage pick. I like to junk teak. Doesn't that sound it make much better? And FYI, my family hates that I junk teak. It drives them crazy. I have adolescent sons. They do not like driving through the town of Emmaus with me looking at garbage. It's just not hip, right? So we're driving along and my kids know I start to see up in front of me an object in the garbage. It's not just trash cans. I start to see stuff and I start to look at it and I start to slow down and I start not focusing on the road. My head is looking at the garbage that we're driving by. I'm looking at the garbage. And in my mind, you're going, why are you looking at the garbage? Because the way my mind works, I don't know. I start to see things in the garbage, something that I could do with something someone threw out. And my mind races with all kinds of ideas of what I could do with that nasty table or what I could do with that piece of junk. And I'm thinking in my mind all this stuff. And so I usually drive by slowly and my kids are like, oh, here we go. And usually I get somewhere down the road and if something clicks in my mind, I say out loud, oh. And my sons hate that oh. Because that means we're going around the block. Doesn't matter if you're late for whatever, we gotta get that garbage. And we're going around the block and we're gonna pull up and I'm gonna get out of the car. So when they hear me go, oh, and we start turning around, they're like, oh. I get back in the car and they ask the question, what are you gonna do with that? And that O becomes now language that I begin to express. Oh, I'm going to take it. I'm going to paint it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to move that. And, I'm gonna, and then I put it in my garage and I never get to it. And, you know, like, you know, that's, that's my garage is filled with, oh, I need that. And we drive around. That O, that verbal O brings to life something that's in my mind and begins the process of taking something, creating something, making something. When John describes the second person of the Godhead and uses the name Word, that means all the invisible thoughts of God are now made powerfully visible in a person. That's what word means, that it's all the invisible stuff that's going on in the mind of God that I can't see or hear starts to come forth powerfully in this word who is a person. It's what God wants us to know, that these things that God thinks and these things that God's going to do things that God longs to bring forth in this world are in the here and now in a person. And that's why John writes in verse 4, in him the word was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Back to Genesis 2. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. Genesis 2 says, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. I mean, just try to imagine this. Be the beginning of time, 
God out of nothing takes dust and starts to form it into a first human. Where does humanity come from? God created the first human and his hands formed dust into a person. Those hands are the Word. God had the thought, the second person of the Trinity, the Word of God, actually formed in his hands a human and then breathed into that first human the breath of life. John wants us to know. He wants us to know that in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, he knows that all of us know physical light, and all of us know spiritual, I mean, all of us know physical light, and we all know physical life, but he wants us to know today that this word he's describing is life and life, both physically and spiritually. He knows that we're much more than just physical beings, but we have souls that will never die and spiritual realities, and he wants us to know that this word is both life and light, physically and spiritually, and that no amount of darkness no amount of physical darkness, no amount of spiritual darkness can stop this light and this life. Nothing can overcome, hinder, thwart, prevent this life and this light from accomplishing its purpose. The word is life and light. My gosh, John, you're driving me nuts. Just tell me his name. Like, why don't you just stop with the code word Tell me his name. And he gives us a hint. We have to leave this section and go down to verse 14. Scroll down there. And he tells us who he's talking about. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. John's saying, with my eyes I have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. This word John is writing about, this whole book is about a man named Jesus. A man who's so much more than a Jewish carpenter. A man that's so much more than a human. You see, Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. Jesus is the Son of God. And he is sent by God. God has something in his mind. He's sent by God to carry out the creation commands of God the Father. And he's sent by God to carry out the redemptive plans of God the Father. And he's sent by God. He will be sent by God to carry out the restorative plans of God the Father to come one day and make all things right and new. This Word is the one and only Son of God. We just know Him by His human name, Jesus. But He existed before all time as the eternal Son. I put in your app today a number of really helpful passages. If you scroll down in your app, a number of passages that describe the eternal Son. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. 
Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. These passages flesh all of this out and kind of describe the eternal Son so that you can see more and understand more about Him. Also in your app, I put the Nicene Creed. You know, creeds are formed by the early church who are trying to wrestle through the deep end of the pool theologically, trying to get their minds around all that's going on. So they write these creeds to describe what it is that we believe. And in the Nicene Creed, it describes Jesus this way. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father, through whom all things were made. It's crucial to understand this. You might be going, why do I need to know this? Why do I care? This is too deep for me. It's too much for me. But John is starting out this book describing the Word of God and who He is, that He's so much more than a Jewish carpenter, so much more than Mother Mary, Father Joseph, so much more than Jesus the Nazarene who taught good moral lessons, so much more than a hero or a martyr that might inspire you. But this is the Son of God, God in the flesh. So as you read the book of John, He's trying to set the stage for the fact that you are going to have your mind blown. You're going to see God with skin on. And you might go again, this is, why, why is this important? How is this going to help me? What does this matter? It's sort of basic but very, very important to hear the words of Jesus in the Gospels, to see the actions of Jesus in the Gospels is to see and hear the very heart and mind of God. Do, do, you, do you get that? To see Jesus, to hear him teach, to watch what he does when he walks and talks with people is to see the invisible thoughts and motives of the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. It's to see in human form all that we long to know. If he's just another Jewish carpenter, we're crazy sitting here listening. But if he is the eternal son of God, he is the more that we long for. You know, I know this is deep, and I know it might be like some of you might go, this is too philosophical, this is too crazy. John's going to use the next 21 chapters to describe and show us what this looks like. So stay in it with me as we go. He's setting the stage early on to make sure we know this isn't just a Jewish carpenter, this is God in the flesh. But just in case you need something to grab a hold of today, there's a little detail I want you to look at in verse 5. Go to John 1 verse 5. There's something that you might not have noticed, a tiny little detail that if you see this today, puts all of what I'm trying to say in context. It may just help you. John writes in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
You see what he says? The light shines. Do you see that little S? Shines. S. That little S means so much. Because what he didn't say was the light shone, past tense. The light was on, past tense. That's not what he says. He says the light shines. He doesn't say the light named Jesus showed up and he was an enlightening figure on the world stage. And then he died and the light went off and now he's a hero that we can look back to and be excited about. That's not what he says. He says the light shines. Underline that S because it means the light is on right now. It means that Jesus is shining right now. It means he's alive and he's active and he's present and he's real. The light is on. Because who likes darkness, do you? I mean, I don't like darkness. When, when it's dark around my house, I'm always looking for fumbling for a light switch, right? Or you pull out your phone, the flashlight on the phone. What a great invention, right? It's awesome. You, you turn on lights because you don't want to be in darkness. Being in darkness stinks. Feels terrible. But what about being in spiritual darkness? I mean, we don't like to be in physical darkness. We're always flipping a light on. What about being in spiritual darkness? Because spiritual darkness is the absence of spiritual light, but it's also the presence of evil. Who wants to be in the presence of evil? And yet, isn't that where we find ourselves very often, stumbling around the dark, sensing, feeling, knowing evil, experiencing darkness that grips us, and isn't it that darkness that causes us, causes us to call out to God and say, I just need a word. I just need a text message. I, I just need a skywriting. Can you just help me sort through this darkness? Because there's evil around my home. There's evil in the workplace. There's evil in our world. There's darkness and despair and addiction and discouragement that just sits on my heart all the time. Isn't that darkness what causes us to call out to God and say, I just need a word from you? I just need you to speak. Just need you to say something. God hears the heart cry of every human and says, I hear you, and I'm giving you a word. His name is Jesus. I sent him to show you my mind, to tell you my heart, to guide you. So that whatever darkness you're facing, whatever difficult anxiety, frustration, whatever you're facing, God says there is life and light for you. I sent you a word. His name is Jesus. And what's incredible about Jesus is all Jesus says to everyone is, come follow me. He just says, come follow me. The light and life who was before all time, who was with God and is God and who made all things, the one who accomplished salvation and forgiveness of sins for the entire human race, he just simply says, follow me. Follow me. And when you follow me, I'll take your burdens off your shoulders and I'll forgive you from your sins. When you follow me, I'll hold your hand, I'll guide you, I'll walk you step by step through 
today. Whatever darkness and difficulty you're going through, I will walk you step by step through today. Just, just follow me. What an incredibly simple invitation from the Alpha and the Omega, the light of the world, the life who has always existed. Son, daughter, you're stumbling around in the darkness. Just come follow me, and I will guide you, and I will help you. Come with me. Let's pray. You are incredibly gracious, God, incredibly kind, incredibly patient. You hear the heart cry of billions of people from eternity past. You knew our heart cry, and you sent a word. You became flesh to walk among us and experience everything we go through that you might not only forgive us from our sins, but lead the way to life everlasting. God, for the people in this place today, online in the chapel, here in the center, you know what word we need. You know what encouragement, what hope, what peace. You've provided it in the person of Jesus Christ, now by faith, you ask us to follow you, and you'll do the work, and you'll lead us home, and you'll lead us to peace. May we humble ourselves before you and walk with you. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.